Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I want to begin today's Bible study in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and read some of those very special words that were written to us a long time ago. Jesus said in John, chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, <clears throat> no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Wow, what a powerful passage that are, that are so absolutely directed to each one of us in our lives, are they not? I mean, we're called to this 
production of fruitfulness in our lives. And we find out in these passages that the only way to bear fruit unto God is to remain as a branch in the vine, receiving the nurturing, the nourishment, the nutrients, everything that comes from the sap of that vine, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. My God. And, you know, it's so interesting that in this passage where Jesus says, I am the true vine, Obviously, there are other vines that are not true. And one way to examine our hearts, perhaps, is to ask ourselves, are we producing fruit? Do we even know we're producing fruit? I mean, isn't that a great question when you really stop and think about it? Isn't it a good challenge to us to just stop for a moment, okay, in a, in a holy pause, a silah, and to in, in, in all that's going on, in just a moment, I'm going to read you some incredible articles about things going on in our country, and I've got some very important things to share, but this is the most important to me. It truly is. Isn't it important to know whether or not we are connected to the true vine? Well, you say, well, Jesus is the true vine. Yes, but did you know, according to Scripture, that there is another Jesus that the Apostle Paul actually warned believers of, that there's another gospel, that there was another spirit, and there was another Jesus. I mean, that's written in the book of Corinthians. He warned them. And so I think it's interesting that Jesus calls himself the true vine, the true vine, and that the idea of him being the true vine is that every branch in me Every branch in me, so how, you're, you're a branch in him, that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Hasn't that always been an amazing question? I mean, maybe somebody's answered it for you before, but isn't it an amazing question? How can I be a branch in Jesus and not bear fruit? How is that possible? How is it possible to be a branch in him? Well, I've got some very interesting commentary on that, and here's some commentary, but I want to go deeper and have conversation. Christ is the vine, and God is the husbandman who cares for the branches to make them fruitful. The branches are all who claim to be followers of Christ. The fruitful branches are true believers who, by their living union with Christ, produce much fruit. But those who become unproductive, those who turn back from following Christ after making a superficial commitment, will be separated from the vine. Unproductive followers are as good as dead and will be cut off and cast aside. Wow. I mean, so in the parable, he's talking about people that claim to be followers but produce no fruit, and people who are followers and produce fruit. And so, again, the question is, how do I know I'm bearing the fruit that's pleasing to God? What is the evidence of my fruitfulness? And I recall here the seven letters to the seven churches, and I'm not just trying to be hardcore. I'm just saying it's a really good time to examine ourselves right now <laughs> because the, the churches in the book of Revelation all received letters that they had works going on, but there was something wrong with their relationship 
with the Lord. There was something that wasn't right. I mean, obviously, the church of Ephesus, you've left your first love. They didn't even know it. And if they did, they discerned, they felt something, but now it's being clarified to them. So how do you know you're bearing fruit? It can't be by the works I'm doing. I mean, good works are right. And all the churches in the book of Revelation had good works. Most of them were doing good works. And so I should be careful about all and most, okay? It's either or. Most of them that are, those letters were written, they were all involved in the most, <laughs> the good works. So good works is not a necessitation of being a true branch or a true follower of Jesus Christ. So then what is the fruit that God is after? How are we as branches, as followers of Christ, to produce in the fruit? And I think a lot of us would immediately say, well, the fruit that we are called to produce in this abundant life is that the abundant life that we produce, it's not an abundance of things that God gives us, but the abundant life is the abundant quality of the fruit, and I think a lot of us would agree, of the Holy Spirit. It is the, it is the fruit and the quality of our character. It is the fruit and the quality of the, of the divine nature. It is this fruitfulness. And so let me read it one more time. I am the true vine, John 15, <clears throat> verse 1. My father is the husbandman. So uh, here's a true vine. My father is the one that cares. He's the, he's the gardener. He's the overseer of this whole thing. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he, the father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. To me, that is an indication of our lifelong journey upon earth. We should never get to a point in our lives and say, wow, I've arrived. I don't believe that's a reality. I believe that we will always be in the position of producing more fruit. Now, the Apostle Paul, who said, you know, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, did not, he was not saying there that I've arrived at the level of fruitfulness and I'm all done now. No, I believe that even though he lived daily dying to self, it just simply meant that he was producing more fruit all the time. And all the experiences that he had gone through were the purgings, okay? Maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're being, uh, you know, just tried, and maybe there's some stuff going on in your life. But we're, really, what is the Father doing in all that? He's purging us, the branches, so that we could even be more fruitful. Maybe you've experienced a fruitful season in your life, and now all of a sudden the Lord is ready to trim back your branch. In other words, there's more purging necessary, and you were thinking, well, I've arrived, I'm in a good place, I've gone through a lot, man, that purging back there was not comfortable at all, and now I'm here, praise the Lord. But God, in his mind, says, nope, I want more. I want your branch to produce more fruit. I want your life to produce more fruit. I'm going to make you the most fruitful bow. I'm going to make you the most fruitful branch in my eyes, in my understanding, in my mind, God says, until your branch is just constantly flourishing with life, abundance of fruitfulness. And you know what? I love fruit. You love fruit. God loves fruit. I mean, and he loves the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. 
And so this is a very good thing. But again, we go back to the question where he says this. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So when Yeshua spoke words, those words that he spoke had a cleansing agent to them. Okay? And so he's telling them that the word that I spoke unto you, you're clean. Abide in me. Now, this is big because of what the word abide actually means. And Patricia and I were talking about this earlier before coming on the air. So let's look at the word abide in this passage. Abide in me, the word abide in verse 4 is the meno. And what it actually means is, you ready? You could write this down if you'd like to, to remain. Okay, to remain, to stay in a given place or state or relation, to continue. One of the thoughts about remaining or staying in a particular condition is, have you had a time in your life where you were just submitted to the Lord? You just knew that you had no rebellion, there was no opposition in your own heart to the Lord, no enmity in that carnal mind. You had come to a place where you were just, you were, you were there. Well, to abide means to stay there regardless of the circumstances that take place. Lord, I'm still staying. I'm not going to wander away. I'm not going to drift off. I'm not turning back. I'm not throwing in the towel. In our younger years, we may have actually done that. We may have actually been at risk, okay? And we may have been um, you know, in, in a place where we were uh, right on the razor's edge, okay? But the maturity in the life of a believer is remaining in a condition of yieldedness, remaining in a condition of being submitted to God, remaining in a, in a condition, even though the winds blow sometimes, you're not moved from that condition of obedience to God. You're staying there. You're remaining And so the definition means to endure. It means to continue. It means to stay in a given state or relation of expectancy. Uh, It means to stand and it means to tarry. Okay. Um, Not to depart. Okay. So, and and we know in the last days, what's going to happen. There's going to be a defection from the truth. Many are going to depart from the faith. The word of God is very clear. So uh, being a branch or a follower in Jesus Christ, you get to a place where you remain. And this is what the Lord says. So we go on in verse 4. Abide in me, remain in me, and I will remain in you. It's almost as though Christ is dedic- as dedicated to us as we are to him. Think about it. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Continue with me. I'll continue with you. Stay with me. I'll stay with you. Okay? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So no individual, not one of us who claim to be followers of Christ, could produce any fruit on our own strength without Christ. There's nothing. There's no way we can produce fruit by ourselves. It must be, and he says here, except it abide there's that word again, in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. 
So a branch, if it's cut off from the vine, it will die. Okay? A Christian or a follower of Christ who doesn't follow will dry up. And this is what verse 5 is all about now. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, that's four times. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not, that's five times abide is used. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Wow, what a prophetic picture of salvation and life and what it means to go into the lake of fire in some cases, where the name is no longer written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, a lot of people, obviously, in the church of Sardis, they thought their names were written, and they were, but they didn't know the time the thief came and blotted out their name out of the book of life. Well, where are they cast if their name's not in the book of life? Into the lake of fire. But they were once branches in the vine. So again, I think this is worthy of examination. Jesus says again, if you abide in me, verse 7, now we're at six times, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, that's seven times, if my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So there is in relationship, in the abiding, continuing, staying relationship between you and God, you and Jesus, you and the vine dresser and you and the vine. As that relationship is continuing on and you're going through a metamorphosis and you're going through a transformation and you're producing more fruit of that divine image, that glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As you're manifesting forth fruitfulness and you're going through cycles in life and rather than drying up and withering away in your old age, you're becoming more fruitful in your spiritual life. You see, it's, a, it's an absolutely spiritual production of fruitfulness that God is after and age actually means nothing. In fact, the older the wine is, the better it is, right? And so uh, the more that people journey with Jesus, it doesn't become a boredom. The longer people journey with Jesus, the closer they get to him, the more fruitful they become. And the Lord continues to work out a salvation in the life of a person all the way through. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. So you may say, and I, I hear this a lot. Maybe you do too. I hear a lot of people always talking about the, the past. Everything they ever talk about is behind them. And I never, very rarely, rarely in some people ever hear them talking about the future. They're, it's like the present and the future are, a, are, are opaque to them. They're oblivious to it. And, and you could tell because a man's heart is revealed by his words. And when I hear people constantly referring to their past and all the past, always the past, it, it just, it's, they're, 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 they're showing where their heart is because they're not right now in the present. Here's what's going on. And they're never talking about the future. What is their future? What is before them? More fruitfulness, more glory, more. 
you know, a lot of times people are only thinking about worldly things. Oh, you know, these things are going to happen in the future and I'm waiting for this to happen. And that. listen, we need to be spiritually minded. And the spiritual mindedness that we are called to is to be able to see into the future of where we're going to be. Now, I, I've got a message. I've got two messages coming up this weekend at New Wine Ministry about our future as believers. Man, I, I am biting at the bit to share this message. It's awesome. But we've got to find ourselves there. Now, listen. Okay? In this union. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You know why I think Jesus felt safe with saying that? I believe that Jesus felt safe with saying that, ask what you will, and it will be done. Because the closer the union becomes, the more that we're asking for has to do with the kingdom. It's, it, it, you know, only an individual that really doesn't have that intimacy, that union, that heartbeat, you know, that, that I, you, you share one another's thoughts when you get close to each other, right? So only an individual would say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want a pink Cadillac. That's not it. What Jesus is saying, what he's entrusting is if you union with me, you stay with me, you abide with me, you get to know me, I get to know you, and we become one. We integrate into one another's spirit. He was joined to the Lord, is one spirit. And if we get to that place, man, you ask whatever, because I'm going to be actually downloading thoughts in your heart for you to ask. Oh, it's true. It is God that is put in us to even will. Amen? I mean, you see that in Philippians. And so sometimes our desires, the things we want to ask for, were didn't originate with us they were downloaded into us and god wants us to speak them out and require ask in prayer and there's fruitfulness there and it's not to say that we can't ask god for you know some things along the way that's not it because he does give us the desire of our hearts amen in in that sanctified sense but again in union in abiding that that selfishness is is much less than what he's talking about here verse 8 Again, says, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. See, there's a condition here. To, to, it, what is proven discipleship is connected to our fruitfulness. Now, the question we have to ask is, where is the best place to be fruitful? Oh, I know, I know. Church on Sunday morning, that's where I want to show off all my fruitfulness to my friends and the church people. I want to show them I'm going to get dressed up. I'm going to hallelujah. I'm going to praise the Lord. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. I want to be really fruitful at church. No. Where is the best place and the best time to be fruitful? All the time, right? And everywhere, right? But right at home. Right at home. If you were to stop and ask the people in your house, your children, your spouse, if you were to stop, ask your parents, if you were to stop and say, hey, family, right here in my house, am I producing fruit? Am I showing love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Holy Spirit as revealed in the book of Galatians? Is that, am I living in this house in closed doors among you, 
in this manner? Or do I have a tendency behind closed doors really not to produce fruit, but I just put it on when I go outside? Well, I believe that the true fruit that remains should be lived out right here in our houses among ourselves. And if we're not producing good fruit right here at home, what is that? What is that? That we can put it on out there, but fruit is fruit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't put fruit on and put fruit off. Fruit is fruit. Character is character. Personality is personality. And, you know, even a lying salesman could knock on your door with a big smile and a radiant face and say, good morning, Mrs. Jones. I want to sell you a vacuum today. I mean, anybody can do that. But what about genuine fruit that gives God glory? For herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So without the production of much fruit, we're not even true disciples of Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue, there's the word abide again, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide, there's the eighth or ninth time now, you shall abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now we're talking 10 times abiding, continuing, right? This journey of following Jesus requires endurance, continuation, remaining, staying, etc., etc. Now, I want to get down to this one point, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I have to say in my personal experience, and you would say the same thing, that it's better in the kingdom of God than it ever was in the kingdom of darkness. It's better to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and experience that fruitfulness rather than the bitter fruits of my old nature. I mean, if you've ever tasted that the Lord is good, you know that it's better than anything you've ever known. I mean, when you have tasted the Lord, you are caught by it, and you want that forever and ever, and you, want, you don't ever want it to go away. You don't want to go in and out anymore. So the idea of I've tasted the Lord, but man, I really like the world better. That's impossible. That's impossible. Man, you cannot taste the Lord. It's like tasting. I remember in La Jolla, California with my brother, Mike, there was an old taco shop. And I had just moved to La Jolla to a uh, room in a, in a little two-bedroom uh, house. And Mike took me to this uh, Mexican restaurant. It was a little hole in the wall. And I had my first carne asada burrito. And I tasted that thing. I'm telling you, I have spent years looking for that flavor in every taco shop I'd ever gone to. And maybe you have experienced the taste of God being good. And once you've had that taste, it stays with you. And you might go from church to church looking for that taste again, looking for that flavor again. But it's hard to find because 
this tasting of the Lord originates with himself. It's not originally found in a group of people. It's found in Christ. It's found in him and him alone. And then when you have a bunch of people that have tasted that the Lord is good, who fellowship together, mmm, that's getting tasty, right? Well, praise the Lord. Jesus said this in verse 11 again, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And that taste produces joy. And God wants you to have joy. My point was that following, remaining, enduring, staying with Jesus is not supposed to be a sad and sorrowful thing. In fact, staying, remaining, continuing with Jesus is to produce great joy in our inner being. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus gets to the nitty gritty and says in verse 12, this is my commandment. This is it. This is my commandment. You abide in what I'm going to tell you. You're going to have my joy in you all the time. You're going to ask what you will. I mean, this is it. This is the key to fruitfulness and joy and all the blessings of God. You ready? This is it. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Woo! Were you kidding me? I mean, he just set the standard for how we are to love one another. This is his commandment. This is more important than having all the knowledge of Bible prophecy, end time events. All that knowledge means zilch without keeping his commandment. And what is the commandment of the Lord? That you love one another as I have loved you. How has God loved you? Has he loved you patiently? Has he been merciful to you? Has he been kind to you? Has he been good to you? Has he blessed you? Well, what he's saying is that the same way that I have loved you, I've bent an ear to you. I've heard your prayers. I've comforted you when you were in pain, when you were hurting, when you were sorrowful. I endured you when you were not acting right. I worked with you. I, 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 I've, I, I'm there, right? And he's saying, this is how I want you to love one another. Love ye that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man. Okay, babe. Greater love has no man than this. All right, you ready? There's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. All right, so there, what greater love could there possibly be than for somebody to lay their life down for someone else? And Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if. Man, that little word there, if, is a condition. You're my friends, Jesus said. You're my friends if you do whatsoever 
I command you. And what did he command? That you love one another. How do you show that you're a friend of God? By obeying the commandment of God. And what is the commandment? That you love one another. Jesus said, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved you? That's how you and I are supposed to love one another in the body of Christ. And if we do that, then are we his friends. We may say that we are the friend of God. We may sing it at church. I am the friend of God. We may do all that. But if we are not loving one another, starting right in our own homes and then in our churches, remember, to the household of faith first, if we're not loving one another, we're not his friends. That's what he said. So how do I love my brother? How do I love my sister? Well, I assist in meeting their needs. Okay. There are four loves that the Bible talks about. There's probably more, but the four loves I've learned about growing up in my Christian walk is that there is agape love, there is phileo love, there is storge love, and there is eros love. And each one of those loves has a certain place. Agape love is the unconditional love that God has for all creation. Unconditional. I'll receive you even if you're an enemy of mine and you turn to me. I love you no matter what. I love you. Unconditional agape love. And then there are several different agapes, right? But then there is the phileo love where we get Philadelphia. The, the, the phileo love is the brotherly love. The brotherly love. That is kind of what we as Christians share among ourselves, this phileo love. Then you have your storge love. And storge love is the love between a, in a family, mommy and daddy and the kids. They all have a storge family love. And then you have the eros love that can only be shared between a husband and a wife. That is where we get the English word erotic or the erotica. And so the eros love is that sexual, sensual pleasure between a husband and a wife. These four loves, each one of them has a particular place. And the love that Christ is calling us to is an affectionate love for one another in the body of Christ. Now he says, in verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Oh, Lord, your commandments are so burdensome. Oh, Lord, don't weary me with these commandments. Oh, no. What is his commandment? It's only one. Love one another. And you know what I think? Or what I should say I should know? Is when we do this, when we love, we take our eyes off ourself, so the inward selfishness disappears. Have you ever stopped to consider that all the people around us are given to us by God so that we could love them, so that we could distance ourselves from ourselves? If I am just loving people in my church, for example, 
Say I go to a church and there's 35 people or 50 people or 100 people or 500 or 5,000. I have all that opportunity every single day to be concerned about them, to show love to them, to care for them, to make sure their needs are met. What can I do to help? How can I come alongside? How can I comfort you in your distress? How can I be with you? I mean, there's all these people there every day to get my mind off of me, to stop worrying about my needs, to stop worrying. And, and probably the law that will go into effect is as we're looking out for others, so shall it be done unto us. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Probably you're one person reaching out to somebody. You'll probably get five people looking out for you. It's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law. And it is true. <clears throat> if you do whatsoever I command you, verse 15, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. Okay, this is really cool. Now, the friends of God, the people of the Lord, okay, they're loving one another. But now it goes a little bit deeper into another level of experience with God. He says, the servant doesn't know what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So there's revelation now. Everything that the Father was revealing to Yeshua, his son, he's now revealing to his friends. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and preach the gospel all over the world. To be the greatest missionary in the world. To go build a thousand churches. No, I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, another word for abide, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now, you're a follower of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. That's our claim. So then if Christ, who we're following, tells us to love one another, you notice he doesn't say love one another as long as the person you're going to love is worthy of it. He doesn't say that. He says we give double honor to the weakest vessels. And that's cool. Well, love people that are really fun to be around. No, no. Love doubting Thomas. Love aggressive extremist Peter. Love the tender John. Love all these ex-tax collectors and harlots that came into the church. Love. Love the body of Christ. Love. And this is the end of the commandment, according to what Paul wrote to Timothy he said, love is the end of the commandment. Love is the end of everything. It's the end of Bible prophecy. It's the end of world events. It's the end of all things. Love is that. Now, obviously, God is love. And yet God's going to really, really spank the daylights out of the wicked. I mean, just read about Jesus treading the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. <laughs> when he comes to judge and make war with the nations. 
Mamma Mia, right? But for you and I, we keep ourselves in the love of God. It is a death experience to the self. And I believe that this is the direction that Christ has called us to. And it's not the, it's almost like the beginning and the end. And everything in between is the journey of life and the experiences that we all have. All right. So I wanted to get that out there today. I want to say good morning, see where we're at here. Uh, Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition for everybody that's out there. We've got the telephone lines are wide open, 818-369-0326. And uh, let's see what our friends are saying in the chat room, 818-369-0326. Brother Mark, all the way from Mexico, is telling us on earth that it is in Hashayim. And Mark's given us a, a Hebrew lesson on heaven. Praise God. Pass the ammunition again. All right. So David Ellison saying good morning along with that. Melissa Fletcher saying good morning. Good morning to both of you. Good morning to Cindy and Chuck and Carol Carey and Kim all the way from Colorado. Good morning, saints of God, brothers and sisters. God bless you. See, Sarah Anchorman is with us today. Good morning. Kim says, I woke up this morning and began reciting John 15. Now here it is again. Praise God. You see, I never know why I'm really doing what I'm doing. It's just, Kim, that God wanted you to know you're on the right track. Hallelujah. I love confirmations. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you how it works. Wednesday night, I taught on Revelation 19, the future of the church, that we're actually in Revelation 19. We should be. I preached my heart out. I came home. I was like, man, that was, I enjoyed it, Lord, but did it really get through? I turned on television. A music group was on on TBN singing Alleluia. And all I preached on was Alleluia. And God said, you're okay. Don't worry about anything. You're on the right track. Kim, you're on the right track. Hallelujah. All right. Evangelist Huned Masi, God bless you. And God bless you, evangelist. Uh, Laquita says, good morning. Mark says, David, no on the Daniel. Uh Uh-oh. David, no on the Daniel? Good morning. Laquita, are you doing well? Missed you last night, you and Callie and Michael. All right. Let's see. Uh, We got David Ellison and Mark are having a great conversation. Hollywood, they say, is getting people accustomed to what's coming. How do they know 20 to 30 years before it happens? Ah, satanic knowledge, I guess. All right, Petra song, Taste and See, talking about Taste and See, the Lord is good. That's right, Dave. I think you sent that to me. And uh, Kim says, amen, Pastor. The world has nothing for me anymore, period. Without Christ in my life, there's just emptiness. Uh, I agree with that. Vanity of vanities. Uh, Brother Mark says, someone deleted my comment on the CIA and Zionists own and run Hollywood instantly. Well, nobody should be touching that chat room but me. I don't know who did that. It certainly wasn't me. All right. So we'd like to put it back up there again. Let's see what you have to say, Mark. Um, He says, weird. I personally know tons of those Hollywood stars, all but Tim Allen and Jack Nicholson. Know them both. Are Democrats. Mel Gibson is right. Look up his quote on Hollywood. Yeah, I saw that before. Uh, Then we have a few more comments there. Keith Carey, good morning, here for 20 minutes or so, being washed in his word. Love a spouse that never asks forgiveness or accepts any wrongdoing. Hmm, bummer. That's true love, isn't it? My God. 
Dennis Sossaman, nothing more to say, but abide. I agree. That's it. And Kim says, amen. <clears throat> All right. Hey, any moment you have a comment you'd like to make, I've got a few things I'd like to share with you, but this to me, I agree. Nothing more to say. Abide, abide, abide. Remain. The remaining ones, the remnant. Wow. All right. So what about, I just, I don't have anything else to say. I'm done. I'm done. I have articles here. I've got all kinds of stuff. Things I'd like to say, probably shouldn't. Called a friend last night or texted a friend last night. And the way things are going in this world and in this country right now, the only right thing to do, I'm going to have to wait till Tuesday to say it, make sure it's really okay to say. But for now, I condescend into a very low estate. Get ready for Sabbath today, Shabbat today. But if you have a comment, I'd love to hear from you. The number, again, 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad, but maybe you feel the same way I do. Enough said. It's been a long week. It's been a good week. I'm so sorry. Brother Daniel Seckham has not been with me on the air. I asked my brother how he's doing. He's doing good. The problem Daniel and I are having is he doesn't want to stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning to do a one-hour program with me. And I don't have the energy in the evening to do a broadcast. I just don't. Wiped out in the evenings most of the time. Not wiped out, but you know what I mean. Just another hour of radio is just too much. So he and I have to find a better way to get this done. I was talking with Pastor Jeff yesterday, who lives about 35 miles outside of Washington, D.C., Pastor Jeff and I had a brilliant conversation. He's really seeking the face of God in some things about how to gather together some uh, godly men uh, in, in a Gideon kind of moment. Um, I want to continue to search that out with him. I want to see his vision come to pass. I want to see him do what he's got to do. Um, <clears throat> I guess we're done. Have a super blessed weekend. Have an amazing time. God bless you. This is Pastor Vince. I just think we're done. See you Tuesday. Shalom.